to episode two of Sharing the Magic, a show dedicated to all things Disney. Join us as we explore the magical world. Whether you're a diehard fan or a casual visitor, this podcast is for anyone who can use a little extra pixie dust. I am your host, your ghost host, Barry. Our special guest tonight is known for putting a stamp on Disney's acclaimed leadership. But before we begin, let's say hello to our lost boys and girls. First up is our goofy dupe himself, Jeff. Jeff, how are we doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing good. So Lee, I do, I, I'm, I'm the silly guy with impressions. So, you know, I do a good, very good. Sometimes I'll do Donald Duck or whatever. Here's my goofy. I'm going to do my goofy voice for you. Worsh, well, I'm happy to be here. If I, well, I can't wait to interview our guest. Well, I'm yearning for some learning. <laughs> this is for you, Lee. <laughs> Good job. Thank you, my friend. Sir, we're hoping it doesn't go downhill from there. All right. Yeah, next, I know. Next up. Will. <laughs> okay. Next up, she's practically perfect in every way. Annie, Annie, how's it going? I'm doing great, Barry. I have my new setup behind me. It's a little more Disney-esque. I literally put it together at the last second before Lee popped on today. So we're doing great. Fantastic. All right, our next co-host is a rebel scum, and she's proud of it. Tara, Tara, how's it going? I'm doing well. I'm very excited to be here tonight. Great. All right. Let's welcome our Disney dad. Matt, how are you? I'm doing great, Barry. I'm really excited for tonight's show. Great. I am too. And last but not least, the real Lady Divine, Lindsay. Lindsay, how are you? Hey, Barry. Hey, everybody. I'm doing great tonight. I am getting ready to get on my flight tomorrow to head to Disney World. So jealous. Oh, pretty cool. I know. <laughs> okay. A little, little bit jealous right. here. Rub it in. Just That's rude, okay. Honestly. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. No, she's not. I'll, I'll send you a postcard. Just a smidge. Just a smidge. All right. So our guest made his mark by redesigning business practices and how they should be used to better maximize success. He has written numerous books and hosts a podcast as well. Stressing the importance of excellence in the areas of leadership, management, and service. He's the founder of the Cockrell Academy, while also continuing to hold workshops at the Disney Institute and businesses around the world. Oh, I forgot the most exciting part. He is the former executive vice president of operations for the Walt Disney World Resort. Please join us in welcoming our very special guest, Mr. Lee Cockrell. Yeah, everyone give a clap. Yeah, hey Lee. Thank you. Thank That's you. Great. Thank you. All right, so we're going to jump right in. Lee, um, you had an incredible journey through the hospitality industry. Can you please walk us through the beginning of it? Well, it kind of happened by accident. I grew up on a little farm in Oklahoma. I always tell people we were very poor. We didn't even have indoor plumbing. Uh, This was in the 40s and 50s, so I'm older than you guys. It was a fairly dysfunctional family I had. My mother was married five times. She was kind of busy. I've been adopted twice. I got my name Cockrell, my husband number four when I was 16. I'd already had two other names. And uh, he had money. My mother started making better choices. And so I got to go to college. So I went to Oklahoma State University for two years. That's all. It only took me two years to flunk out. And uh, because I forgot to go to class. And so I went in the army in 1964. And uh, when I finally got out of the army, I met a guy in there from the UK. He was uh, going to the Washington Hilton 
It's the one up on Connecticut Avenue in D.C. Um, to open it. It was going to open March 15th. So we first time I'd ever been out of Oklahoma. We got my car, drove to Washington, got a room at the Marriott, believe it or not. Little did I know I would work for Marriott many years later and uh, went over to the Hilton and I got a job as a banquet waiter. Um, I'd never been in a hotel before. It was the first time ever. Um, little farm town. When you're milking cows, you don't go on vacation. They, the cows don't appreciate it. So um, I got this job and I was lucky. There was a guy there who kind of knew I didn't know what I was doing. He taught me what I needed to know. And um, I tell people the reason I was so successful in my career and starting out was two things. I have a really good attitude, which is a good idea if you don't have a college degree. And uh, I'm reliable. I'm extremely organized and disciplined. And uh, so anybody that hires me, they're, at least I'm going to be easy to work with. I'm going to be reliable. And I'm going to show up. I'm going to do what I have to do. So I did that for a couple of years. And then I uh, applied for a management uh, kind of a clerical supervisor job in accounting. I didn't get it because I didn't have any experience, but they came back 90 days later and offered it to me because nobody would take it. It paid so little. <laughs> and uh, so I took it. And six months later, I replaced my boss there. <laughs> I met my wife in the office next door to mine. She was a secretary there. And uh, I tell people she used to come to my office to sharpen her pencils on our <laughs> pencil sharpener in the area. And uh, I tried to take her out. Uh, she, she wanted to, not, she wanted to marry a French, a French man. Wasn't that? Yes, that she right? did. <laughs> yeah. She wouldn't go out with me. And, I said, <laughs> and for a year, literally. She <laughs> wow. Said, oh. She did have a French boyfriend. And I said, I just want to take you to lunch. And she said, yeah, right. That's not what you want. And um, <laughs> it was about 20. I guess I was 22. And uh, finally, we got her to go out to lunch. And then from there, uh, things worked out better. And uh, <laughs> yeah, they did. I got promoted to the Conrad Hilton in Chicago, which is a Chicago Hilton now down on South Michigan. And then we had a baby. And then we uh, I got transferred to the Waldorf Story in New York wow. as the food, food and beverage controller. And then we were there three years. And then I went up to Terrytown, New York, by the Tappan Zee Bridge, north of Manhattan. I was the number two in the hotel, running the hotel. And then I went to Los Angeles as the director of food and beverage. From there, I left Hilton because I had a boss that we didn't like each other very much. <laughs> and uh, I took a job in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which my wife told me not to take. And I said, I know what I'm doing. Don't worry. Which <laughs> It turned out I didn't know because I got fired <laughs> many days later. Now I had a Volkswagen, a two-year-old, a wife, no job. The sheriff confiscated our furniture because we broke the lease. Uh, and he they wanted 2000 bucks to get it back. Wow. So I didn't want it back right away because I was looking for a job and I didn't have any place to put it anyway. So uh took me about three months. I finally got a job with Marriott as a restaurant manager in Philadelphia. And... Uh, we were there four years. I was restaurant manager, and then I was the food and beverage director, and then I uh, got moved to Chicago to open the Marriott on North Michigan Avenue, 1979. And then we moved back to Washington, where I got promoted to director of food and beverage for the East Coast of uh, Marriott. 
And then I eventually became vice president of food and beverage for the company and traveled all over the world doing that. People say, how'd you do that? I said, you know, I became an expert in the food business. Not intentionally. I just did all the jobs. You've been everywhere. I'd been in finance. I'd been a cook. I'd been a uh, waiter. I'd I'd, I'd done them all. It's funny how you become an expert. I tell young people today, you want to get ahead in life, become an expert in something. Yeah. But even no having what it is, it doesn't matter. And and just even having I bartend, I used to be a bartender for years and I, I have my own business now, but I still bartend one day a week, just one day a week on Fridays. And it's just yeah. because I don't. So I don't want to get out of touch with, you know, the lessons and the all the things that you learn in the hospitality ind- industry is it's so. So I, I, I think that's I think a lot of people when it comes to you, Lee, they want to talk about. You know, the Disney stuff, which we are Disney podcast. uh, Absolutely. But I find personally, I find all your other experience just really fascinating. I just do. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of feels uh, like the the old Johnny Cash song. I've been everywhere, man. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you one thing, Lee. I've been to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. There's nothing there. (laughs) There's the Amish. (laughs) There's some good food and and some good furniture. That's about it. Yeah. Well, the day I got fired, I went home, told my wife, and she said, good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure after living in all these cities, I can't imagine that she was very happy moving out. Yeah, moving moving from L.A. to Lancaster is kind of a... Yeah, that's hard. And, you probably um, felt right at home, <laughs> an Oklahoma boy in Lancaster. You know, I didn't, I didn't do anything except work for ninety days. I mean, literally seven days a week for nine. The place was so screwed up. And um, then I, uh, what did I do after that? Uh, I be, went. I was general manager for Marriott. I was vice president of food and beverage. And then I got recruited by Disney in nineteen ninety to go to France and open Disneyland Paris. And they wanted me to open the food operations. Of course, you get called back to whatever you're good at and whatever your expertise is. And food is like, I was glad to get out of food and then I was drawn back in it. It's yeah. like, it calls you, you know, home. You're crazy. Don't open a food business. I mean, <laughs> you never have enough employees. The margins are small. Every customer likes, doesn't like something. Yeah. And um, so, I, but. It, I can tell you what, you find out how how, how much uh, misery you can take in life. <laughs> yeah, and the, that's why I do it one day a week. I just got to be humble. I got to be put in my place. Proud as I am from Monday to Thursday, I'm like, I need I need an angry customer just yelling at me just so I so I know where, where my proper place in life is. <laughs> yeah, I just moved along, went to France, did that for a year and then a couple of years. And then I got promoted to vice president of the hotel division there. And then later to uh, Orlando to be in charge of the hotels in Orlando. And then a couple of years after that, to all operations in Orlando. And um, I did that for 10 years. And then I retired when I was 62 and started this little business I have, speaking, writing books, uh, whatever comes up. And I'm working with a lot of great people. I've been all over. I've, I think I've been to 48 countries now. Wow. Amazing. Work. I just got a call uh, yesterday from uh, FEMA. They want me to do some work for them, with them. I've worked for the U.S. military. I was in Iraq in 2011 during the war and did 13 seminars for the soldiers and the State Department, where we talked about reentering the workforce and depression and 
how to deal with that and all the family struggles with being deployed. So I've had a good run and uh, I love what I'm doing now because I get such positive feedback. Somebody said, why do you do this, Lee? I said, because people clap and I'm insecure. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if, you, if your mother had five husbands and you were adopted three times, you'd be insecure. So this is like, and no college degree. So I just rounded it off and have no confidence. And uh, I don't know. By this <laughs> time, you probably have... I think young people are really, as you have more success, you get more confident. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. eventually I figured out I knew what I was doing, or at least people thought I did. And uh, so um, it's been a great run. I love the business. I love what I'm doing now because it name I become a teacher instead of a boss. Yes. It's a lot. And you talk about that. You say, what are your three? You're like, Oh, I forgot what it is. It's, I got to remember it's, um, Iram, train, Iram them, right, train them right, right, treat them right. And then teach it. Your last one's teach it. It's like, do it and teach it. It's like, learn it, learn do it, it and teach learn it. it. Is first, that right? Then go do it for experience and then teach that I need it. I need I need to hear that Lee. <laughs> like I need to hear that kind of wisdom at, well, at this juncture in my life. And I think that's great. I mean, I'll give you one to think about every day. You're either a student or a teacher. <laughs> yep. Now, tomorrow you might be a teacher of what you hear tonight. Yeah. And then you may run into some problem and have to be a student for a few days. <laughs> and you're, you're that in your personal life, your business life, all parts of your life, because there's, I just, when I started really getting, paying attention to learning more, it's the day I woke up and found out I didn't know too much. <laughs> especially when you live in Washington, D.C., yeah. No. Um, yeah. Lee, you had such a great take. I watched your uh, your interview with was it yeah, yeah Yahoo News the other day with the the, the the Santos debate and maybe we have to edit this out. I don't care, whatever it is, but you. I thought you said you you did such a great job of defining it because I've been trying to keep track of it for months now, and I don't do a very good job of. I'm trying to verbalize and to think through. What's going on here? And you were the first person that I listened to that I said, oh, that makes sense. Okay, now I can see what's kind of happening in during, you know, this whole thing. Yeah. Um, so as somebody that's in that world, like how you just talked about Florida, like, you know, do you um, how do you feel about the, the whole the whole situation? Well, the Disney thing is I've. You know, as I said in that interview, uh, there's no logical reason why this is happening. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Exactly. You know, he, DeSantis was a U.S. congressman for five years, and he was a governor for four years before now, and he never even brought this up. There was no conversation. It's never been a conversation by any of the governors of Florida. And now he got his little... Uh, ego bruised and he wants to have a fight and he's going to be sorry. Yeah. Disney does so much for, for Florida and we're, we're all fans. We're not shills. We always say that we're not like, you know, we're not, if there's something we, we, we need to be critical about Disney. Well, we will. And lovingly, we will try to be as critical as we can, but you know, when it comes to, you know, the whole thing, it just, it just seems sad. It just seems like, yeah, it is. It is. And it's a miscalculation. And I would have thought a guy who went to Yale and Harvard would have better sense yeah. <laughs> critical thinking about what he was getting himself into. Yeah. And by the way, there's a good lesson there. When you get mad and get emotional, you make bad decisions. So uh, I don't I don't get mad because 
It's uh, it really it's two things. It's not good for your health, and second, it uh, you make errors. Uh, you see it on the road. You see it in arguments with people in the grocery store. I mean, let it go. That's why I've been married 55 years. I learned to let it go. <laughs> <laughs> My wife even said I don't aggravate her anymore. She said, she said why, Lee? I said, because I've learned to let it go. <laughs> there is no upside to annoying your wife. No, no, yeah. no. Nope. Happy wife, happy yep. life. <laughs> yeah. Not even that. There is zero upset. <laughs> if anybody can tell me the good part of what you get, oh, you get nothing. <laughs> and you know what that when that angers about something. I tell people this entry. You know, I've really come to the conclusion of um, your brain lies to you, so it it stirs you up over something that happened. You don't even know it happened when you were five years old or 12 or something. And half the stuff in your brain is not true. And you believe all this stuff because you hung around those people and you stayed in that environment and that culture and your parents and grandparents talked like that. And so you start believing them. And then you go to that church, which tells you the same thing. And then you end up, yeah. uh, your brain, uh, and half the stuff your parents taught you not true either. No, I never trust myself for that reason alone. <laughs> no, you got to think for yourself. And uh, that's, and I really figured out, you know, there's three things you need to get over that. Number one is education. And it doesn't have to be formal. Just keep learning. Be interested. Listen to podcasts. Read. Know what's going on. And second is experience. And exposure. And Lee, you know why I, why I think you're so great is we hear this kind of thing all the time. Book smart, street smart. You're you're uh -huh. a smart guy. If you want it, book smart. You but you have the uh -huh. wisdom. You are a street smart man and you have so much practical knowledge and i think so many people listening in now or even just me in my own life, i'm so tired of reading a book and it's just it's it's convoluted fluff. And I'm, I want to, I want to hear somebody who has real life experience and has the, you, you got that. Well, that's, yeah. it happens gradually. I didn't have it for a long time because it takes time to, yeah. it, you know, as I said, it takes time to grow and it takes time to become more knowledgeable and it takes, and you got to want to do it and you got to be willing to leave the environment you hang out in and go out and see what's going on. Uh, you know, I mean, once you, once you have exposure, you can never go back. I mean, once you have experience that it's burned in your brain, you know it, and you can read about anything you want, but until you go there and do it and spell it, and, you know, it's just, and that's what young people need to be doing is getting out of this culture where they believe everything that they learned growing up in that culture. I tell young people today, as soon as you graduate, get out of the, get out of your village. Nothing's going to change in the village. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Even if your mother wants you to stay in the village, no, leave. You don't get do out. what your mother wants. <laughs> you do what you want. Right. And uh, yeah, and it's a fabulous world out there. Yes. And um, so I think uh, that's the way to think about: it. Are you getting enough education? Are you reading? Are you keeping up with what's going on? Are you learning more about what you want to do with your life yeah. and your business and your uh, your knowledge? Are you getting real experience? Yeah, uh, I, I work with my son and grandkids. They all they all worked in food service as they grew up. They worked in horticulture, spreading mulch. They have uh, been waiters. They've been they always had to work. Yeah, and they're all 
now employed and doing very well and they they they've been around awesome they know that's uh, the way it is and uh, and you work with adults that's what more young people need to work with adults right every day right to learn responsibility and and uh, and uh you know, your mother's not there. No, no. you got to get along. But then we, I think we also need just more when it comes to your learn, do, teach. I think I think there's a big deficit in our world of teaching of teachers. And I think when when going through your interviews and 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 your books and I'm like, wow, I need to hear this. And part of me was a little bit mad. It's like, I should have heard these things before. Why? Why haven't I heard these things before? So I think what you're doing is amazing in that I think if there's, there's a lot of people doing stuff in life, but, you know, there's not a lot of people that turn it around and say, not only am I doing it, I'm going to turn this thing around. I'm going to, I'm going to empower other people to do it themselves and I'm going to teach them. And I, that's why I I was really, really excited for this interview because you are through and through a teacher, not only somebody who has that experience and has done it, but you're, you're a teacher. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. We all need to focus on that. If you know something, teach it to somebody. Yeah. And, um, it, uh, they appreciate it. And, uh, you know, you kind of get experience quicker when you got somebody that you can follow that's done it. A lot of teachers today and a lot of facilitators and all this stuff, are they haven't done it. They know the theories. And young people are tired of theory. They want reality. Yes. I don't want to yes. hear it from some professor had his last book in 1941. Exactly. I mean, like, exactly. You got to. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's real. Uh, and if today... Everything is changing so quick. If you don't keep up and read and stay on top of, well, technology, we know, but that's not even the issue. Look at the the workforce and hiring and retention. you got to be a pretty good leader to keep people with you. Yes, sir. uh, And uh, really, and just this AI right now, you know, I just, I was, I was. Out of nowhere, right? It popped up out of nowhere. Absolutely. (laughs) Let me tell you, there's a free part. I'm looking at the free one right now. I'm going to get the one that's bigger, but uh, it's scary. Right. It is. (laughs) You put in. You got to play around with it, though. It's pretty. Yeah. Yeah. But the one (laughs) level four is a thousand times more powerful than the free one. Listen, we got to ask Lee this. Where do you think like leadership in the future is going? Well, I think it's not going anywhere it hadn't been. I think it's leadership's always been the same. It's the management. How do we get it done? And that may be through AI or that may be, but if you're dealing with people and you're making decisions and make, having to make hard decisions and have hard conversations, uh, you're going to have to sit down eyeball to eyeball and talk to people and, and, uh, yeah. um, management, you know, who knows how we're going to do that. You know, who knew about got the cell phone? We now we use that to manage our businesses. We have computers. We might use that to manage our bit. We didn't have but the leadership issue is do you care about me? Can I trust you? Do you care about me in my training, my development, my future? Do you talk to me about my future? Do you even care? Do you know my name? (laughs) Right. This is what I foresee. I foresee, yeah, our world is shifting and changing all around us so fast. But your principles, you, you said this in something I, I, I listened to today, actually. It was, um, you know what being a leader is? You know what that means? It means having hard conversations 
every day, every minute of every day. That's tough. And for somebody who is a boss, it was a gut punch because I thought, you know, two things. You know how many times I drop the ball personally in my own life where I don't have the hard conversations as a leader, as a boss. But you know, even what's even worse, how many times I don't tell my employees what they're doing right how much I care about them, how much I love them, how much. And I thought these principles, what you've talked about, it doesn't matter what AI does. These are the things looking somebody in the eye. I'm, t- I'm going to tell you what, those are the things that are going to, you know, the test of time. And that's why I think it's so prolific, your message. And, oh, you can your, use AI to tell it to send your wife a message and tell her, tell her you love her. But, uh, or you can just tell her yourself. But yeah, I think, you know, we get confused, you know, that leadership's just about uh, making sure things get done and, and that you're treating people right and that they want to do their job and management's about stuff. I mean, yeah. leadership's about people. Management's about stuff, you know, check on it, check it off, check it off, check it off, check it off, you know, fill the car with gas, check it off. What you do, nobody cares about. Who you are is what they care about. And uh my wife likes me. She has no idea what I do. <laughs> <laughs> like today, you know, I was listening. I'm, I'm driving home today from uh, from from work, and I in, ended early. But I was listening to your uh, some of your your interviews, and it was love. Vulnerability was the big thing that stood out to me. Brene Brown, she talks about vulnerability, and I thought, why not have vulnerability as a as a as a manager? We shield ourselves so much. And so, you know what I did? I, I text some of my, my workers and I said, I want you to know, I, I got sick last week. And I said, um, I just want you to know, you guys, you stepped it up so much. Just thank you. I'm so appreciative of all of you. And, but, and, and so your, your lessons, you know, in my own personal life made me say, you know what, get, get rid of my ego as a, as a boss and actually express to these people that I actually do love, how much I I, I I actually care about them and and to to praise them, but that takes vulnerability. You know, it's it's hard because you always want to you want to be the authoritarian figure, and it takes a different type of leadership to say, "Hey, I'm not just your boss, but I really need you." I think you need to take the position of uh, you don't work for me; you work with me. That's where I want it. And I want you to be able to say anything to me and keep me out of trouble and keep me from getting fired. And, and, you know, I think the thing that we got to rethink how we, you know, if you're going to lead, lead with empathy and discipline. Empathy. I love like your mother did. Yeah. Empathy. She loves you, but she'll kick your butt. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. She'll, she'll give you more empathy before you go to school. But when you get home, you might get in trouble and empathy and discipline. And I say the only thing Empathy and discipline, use one of those when you're dealing with people and be fair and firm. Have a reputation that you're always fair and you're always firm. Firm. Then people know, uh, uh, you know, clarity. This is the problem. Be clear with people what your expectations are. The odds of them performing will go up dramatically. Be clear. Clear. You know, if somebody's not performing, sit down and talk to them. Be clear. You know, it's, it's irresponsible not to. I tell people, if you can't have hard conversations and make hard decisions, number one, don't have children. Number two, <laughs> number two don't be in charge of people. Don't do it. You're screwing up their life and, and God knows their kids and their grandkids. And 
their brain and everything else. Yeah. I mean, it's a big deal. Yeah. Lee, I'm ho- I'm hogging the conversation. I'm, I'm so happy you're here. So I, I got to be, I got to be kind and turn it to some of my, uh, my friends here. <laughs> Let's start with Matt. No, Lee, I mean, Lee, honestly, we could, we're going to have to have you back because you have so much knowledge and experience. I feel like we're only scratching the surface of everything that you can teach us, right? You're talking about teaching and, uh, I I am a teacher. So hearing you say that stuff is awesome, right? I like hearing the concept that we have to teach, we have to do, right? We have to have that experience ourselves and share that with our kids. Uh, and it's amazing. So we definitely, I feel like could have a whole conversation just about teaching, which is awesome. But I did want to bring up, or I wanted to ask you a little bit back to Disney was when you have so much information on leadership and you had such an impact on what leadership was like at Disney world, like what was your thing that you championed there when you were in your position? And was there anything that you learned or you took from entering the company that helped formulate what you think a leader is? Well, I think I had an advantage because I, have done every job. I know what's going on. I've been a wetter. I, I, you know, I've uh, taken things at home to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've done it all. I've been there. I know how the liquor goes, where it goes, how you get it. I mean, I've done them all. And everybody knows that I know. Uh, they know Lee knows and I can smell it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I, uh, I think that comfort I have with whoever I'm dealing with, whether they're, uh, you know, the poorest person from the neighborhood or uh, the minority. I've worked with all those people and I've been in the army and I, I've been, I've seen it all. And that, that gives them comfort because they quickly learn that uh, I'm interested in them and I'm interested in being a good role model so that they learn from watching right. them. And then I, I am available. I'm around. I walk at When I run a hotel, I'm out there walking that hotel three, four times a day. I see every employee every day. Uh, and that's where the problems are. You stay in the office, you're not going to know what the problems are. And half the time, you're not going to know them unless you see them. And then when people get comfortable with you, they'll start to tell you because they don't get in trouble for telling you. And you can't, you thank them for telling you. And for uh, it becomes, a. I mean, literally, you, you call any place I've ever managed, or people will tell you I'm really a super-duper guy. <laughs> but I wasn't always. I had to learn that. I was a, not a very good leader in the first 10 or 15 years of my career because I was insecure and I was autocratic and I... Uh, was always about me and uh, I didn't like feedback and uh, so and in my marriage too I had to go through a time when I had to unload a lot of that insecurity I had from growing up like I did and not knowing and you know when you go from Oklahoma to New York City you're insecure (laughs) it's a a big change (laughs) so yeah I mean Lee was that just something that developed over time that this change in in how you did everything or was there something that moved you to that well there is you know and I say getting out of Oklahoma I know which fork to use I know to put my napkin in my lap not, (laughs) not drink out of the bottle and uh yeah, it did. I had an encounter with one of my people that uh, was actually had to go in for observation hospital because it turned out because I was coming to visit. And my reputation preceded me. And this guy, Cockrell's a killer. And uh, he'll find everything wrong. And we had dinner that night when he came back. And we talked about that. And it was embarrassing to me. 
I probably knew deep, but I didn't know how it affected people that deeply. And uh, so I, I I went home and started working on that, thinking about it. And I went to start going, taking classes and courses on leadership and how to get things done without the authority, just by uh, influence. And I slowly changed and I slowly got better results. When you start getting better results, you get promoted. And then I, so by the time I got to Disney, I was pretty good. It's incremental. You, you know, I learned the things not to do. As my wife told me 30 years ago, Lee, be careful every day what you say and do because they're watching you. It's your reputation. You're, you're, you know, every person every day is evaluating you as a person and can they trust you? And uh, I worked on that a lot. I think that's amazing that you you took the feedback and you you used it. You didn't like just wall it off. And I actually, you know, I, I hate to cut you off, but I think Tara, you had a great question that we were talking about about feedback that I think Lee could, you know, shine a, a bright light on for us. Hi, Lee. Thank you, um, Lee, for coming on to our show. It's so wonderful meeting you. Um, so my question to you is holding the position that you had with Disney. Can you speak a little on the importance of listening to guest feedback? Well, I'm a big listener, guest feedback. Uh, we get thousands of letters coming in. And when I was first there, guests would look, write us a letter if they were disappointed or if they, or if they were happy. And, um, you know, in those days, you take a couple of weeks, check it out, try to write a letter back to them. Well, the Internet showed up. There's no more waiting two weeks. They write you and they want to hear back in an hour. And uh so we changed the whole department for uh, guest uh, communication, and we put 50 people in there that call the guests when they have a problem. We don't write them. We call them. And that immediately calms them down. They're very impressed. Uh, you get over it quickly. You have to give less, do less. And uh, I read, oh, I don't know how many. I read a lot of letters. I had instructions in my office that I'm always available. If a guest calls, you don't tell them in a meeting because those hard conversations the guest has with you really emotionally, uh, you see the disappointment and you and it's real. It's not. Um, and uh, especially at Disney, because the people are saving up. They're coming there with their grandkids and kids. And, and this is a big deal. And uh, not to disappoint them. So, but uh, listening, that's why I walked my hotel 6.30 in the morning. I walked it again at 11.30 and again at 5. I saw everybody. I observed. I took notes. Uh, they knew. If you got want something done, tell Lee as he comes by here. And he'll put it in his little day timer and he'll get back. And I, then I met with my team every Thursday and went over every item I'd seen that week. And mainly it was HR and engineering and finance, three thing, three departments where the problems were. Uh, certainly in a hotel, engineering issues, the faucet doesn't work or the bartender's not happy about something and uh, or the cook stove. Or, and I fixed those things. And uh, so all of a sudden I have huge credibility. Just tell Lee and it'll get done. <laughs> How do you keep that? How does that not drain you? How do you separate sort of your emotional energy from all the letters and the hate and all the, do, do you have, do you have a, can I, is there a pill I can take that I can just fix that? Yeah. Don't take it personally. Just let it go. You know, don't be nice. My goal, I, I taught everybody at Disney, we are nice to the guests. We don't ever win an argument with them. We don't argue with them. I don't care how mean they are and what they call you. Let it go because all we want is their credit card. So <laughs> keep that in mind. Yeah. And you as a bartender, you know that. Put yeah, a lot of credit 
you get yes, a bigger sir. tip. Yes, sir. And uh, you listen to the customers at the bar and you get a bigger tip and you sympathize with, no, nothing, nobody bothers us, me. Yeah. You can't upset me because right. I've learned you don't even know me. So if you're yelling at me, you, you always say every guest has, everybody has a problem you don't know about. So when you're yelling at me, I think, hmm, mm-hmm. Jeff must have a problem I don't know about because right. he's being crazy here. And I let it go and I try to turn them around because I don't want to get upset. you got to let it go. Yeah. Don't, it, it's, if your wife's yelling at you, that's different. But a guest, I, they can call me anything they want if they like. God bless them. Because I, and I told the cast members that there isn't, again, no upside to fighting with the customer. Mm-hmm. Our goal is to turn them around so they come back to Disney every year and they spend more money and we apologize and we, and yeah. we do what we have to do. Yeah. And that's, you've got to decide to do that. There's boundaries. Yeah. So you decide to let it go every day in traffic. Just let the guy go around you. Don't worry about it. You know? You've got to remind yourself to do this. Yeah, you've you got to uh, put a sticker on your bathroom mirror and one on your car and say, just let it go. Don't react. There's no reason. Why are you reacting? You're reacting because your mother did something to you when you were eight and you haven't gotten over right. it and you don't realize why you're insecure or why you have to win. Right. Uh, you know, yeah, you're right. Winning. It, the only way you win is get the credit card. That's how you win. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's such a hospitality standpoint. I was a hospitality major, and it just yeah. had the thickest skin after being yelled at like that. Well, it's hard. I'm a very empathetic person. Like, I care about people. People feelings. are watching you. Somebody said about training, you know, when you're training, every time a person's in your viewpoint, when every time you enter a place where there are people, you're training, mm-hmm. whether you know it or not. Every time you encounter a human being, you are training. So, Lee, I have. I have a point to make because I, you keep touching on, you know, how important it is to be visible to people and how available you were throughout your career. Um, one, I have to commend you because your son was the vice president of uh, Magic Kingdom when I worked there. And he was very much the same way. Like we always saw him around the park. I knew who he was. You know, my first day they pointed to his picture and said, that's Dan Cockerell. He'll, you'll see him. He will bring Trace back to the dishwashing station. You know, like if you see him, say hi. When I worked there in 2019, I had no clue who was running the park. So like that definitely it was a huge difference for me. So, you know, I know in your book too, you mentioned a lot with um how many stories you had with how many people you got to connect with in your time. Was there any stories that didn't make the book that you wished it or any, any great stories from that that you could touch on? Oh, I, there's something. Yeah. I don't know what I put in there. anymore. <laughs> but, uh, That's okay. Um, you know, one thing I learned, uh, you know, we did the, the, uh, everybody got a review on their performance from their direct reports and from their boss. And we did that 360 review and I got my results back and they were good overall, except I got, uh, some criticism for showing favoritism to the people who reported to me and not uh, not really being a, uh, in contact with everybody. Like they knew who I always sat next to the same people at a meeting or same people at lunch or people know, people know. And uh, I addressed that with them and I changed, you know, I mean, I probably like in there, we kind of know these things, but we just don't do it because it's more comfortable. You know, I had people that I didn't want to sit with. <laughs> I started acting like I did. So, um, 
you've got to you got to learn these things that your role modeling is a big deal. People are watching you. There, do you care? You can say you care. I tell people, well, I tell you, you think you say you care. So something happens at five o'clock and you need to stay for four more hours to work on it. And some people go home. But anyway, they don't stay. People know if you care. People know. Everybody had my phone number. I get calls three in the morning. That's fine. Because if you need to talk to me, then you'll call. Most people didn't because they didn't need to. But they knew they could. And just like my son and my grandkids knew they can call anytime. Even my son, when he was 40. Two years old called me one night and said, can you pick up Valerie and I? We drank too many margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> and we said, yeah. And it's like, wait, there's no, there's no, uh, yeah, criticism. There's no, yeah, you do. Yeah. We have open, uh, we talk about everything and uh, there's no criticism and there's no fear of uh, offending. And, uh, and with our grandkids too, they know. Yeah. And my Lee, I feel like you just like you live with open arms. You know, that's what I that's the way I would say. I didn't for the about till I was about 30, 35 is when I started figuring this stuff out is it's not about me. And I thought it was about me in the beginning. And the West, you know, they say the only thing you can take with you and leave behind your legacy. And your legacy matters. (laughs) It matters. And I will tell you, getting feedback from people who you help i get it every day and every week from different people that i've done things for it's it's a great prize you feel i mean i I posted one today said this is why it's better to be a teacher than a boss and it was this guy wrote to me and said listening to my podcast and reading my books has changed his life and he's getting promoted (laughs) wow because he is reliable he has a good attitude he's he said i learned those things and i'm getting promoted I love that. I wrote him back. I said, you made my day. That's the point. That's the point. And uh, I can tell you, even if all of you just start listening to the podcast, you know, you'll learn things. You'll learn. Oh, I'm hooked. I'm personally, I'm hooked on you, man. Like I'm going to (laughs) like, you'll learn all you need to know. uh, That's that's all I need. Some Lee Cockrell in my life. And it, you know, but serious, but I'm not being, I'm being serious. Like you, you have, you have, we mix it up. You know, I talk about anxiety and depression because I went through it 10 years ago when my wife almost died. And we need to talk about that. And yes. we're going to have a big talk about it soon. We're going to republish those. And right now it's critical across the country, across the world, with every age group. With I talked to one college recently and said 40 percent of the freshmen needed mental health counseling the first year. Forty percent. Teenage girls. <laughs> big issues with insecurity. And I mean, it's, it's, it's pay attention to the people around you because uh, don't just kind of pay attention. You gotta, you gotta put on your uh, sensitivity because it's real and it can be your parents. It can be your grandparents. It can be your next door neighbor. It can be your wife. It can be, and uh, this is big. And that's why I think your message is so powerful. Like even for me personally today, where I, you know what I did? I slowed my life down and I thought, you know, you're, you're the idea of eye to eye. And I thought, man, you know how little interaction I've had eye to eye with people this week. You know what I did? I said, well, it's not eye to eye, but I can at least slow it down and text them. Hey, friend. Hey, it's been a long time. I'm just thinking about you. Hope you're doing okay. Let's let's connect soon. 
we live in such a world that is just it's changing and it's moving faster and faster. And I I think this is why I love your message so freaking much. It's like just that simple thing of eye to eye conversations. Powerful, powerful. Like well, I mean, the research is coming out that this isolation is really bad. It's people are dying from being isolated. No partner, not living during the pandemic. Uh, this caused a lot of deaths. Uh, isolation. People have to be with people. Yeah. Or a good dog. I don't know which one. <laughs> I got but, three uh, dogs. That's all right. I mean, that's and that is actually a, a fact. Yeah, dogs, it is. Uh, um, and uh, the problem is, you got to learn these things because a lot of this stuff you think you kind of know, you didn't know, but you need to be on the lookout for it. It's real. America's fragile. Let me tell you, you can get in trouble real quick. Lose your job, get laid off, have no insurance, and man, you can be in trouble so fast in this country. It's not even funny. The word "fragile" is really good. I think that's that's fragile. That that's true to the experience, you know. Yeah, fragile, fragile. So uh, you gotta make sure you're available to each other. People are on this. Call. You got to keep doing sure what you're, you're doing, man. You, you've got to keep, got to keep plugging your message. It's so we need this. We leave. We need the world needs what you're, what you're doing. Well, and you all can do this. We're trying. You can call each, you can call up your buddies here and talk to them. Are you doing okay? And uh, if you, if they trust you, they will, they'll tell you if they're not, if you, they don't trust you, they will say, Oh, it, life's great which is the biggest lie in America. So uh, you got to, you know, you know, I know I can say anything to my wife, (laughs) anything. She can say anything to me. My grandkids know that too. My grandkids talk to their grandmother. My granddaughter just called this week and had an hour conversation. She's 24. She just got engaged. Things she worries about and they talk about it. And our grandson's uh, in France going to school. And we talk to him a couple times a week. And because uh, we know he's alone and he's not with the family. And, uh, you know, just put it in your plan to connect with those people that you care about. Yeah. And uh, don't let a month go by and say, oh, I meant to call him. I was going to call him. I was going meant to. You get no points for meant to. Right. Uh, and you got to you got to plan it. You got to do it on purpose. Intentional. Half the problem be in life are people not doing the things they should on purpose. Get your annual physical on purpose. Yeah. yeah. Get the right date. Do what your doctor says, too. Do what your doctor says. I just had my checkup and my blood work is perfect. Why? Because I do what he tells me. <laughs> yeah. I weigh, I weigh exactly what I weighed 60 years ago. Your doctor knows more than you I get do. Eight Follow hours. your doctor. That's so impressive coming from the food industry, like the food, like <laughs> having so much involved with the food part to be able to say, I'm still doing that. That's great. Like that's dedication. That's great. That's a discipline part and realizing the consequences if you don't. You know, take care of your health, getting enough sleep. Most people are in trouble because they don't get enough sleep. They wake up, they don't feel good. So you don't do the hard things. You don't feel good, you procrastinate. Yeah. It's the number one reason for overeating, anxiety. Mm -hmm. And you don't even realize it. You say, well, I'll have a piece of cheesecake. I'll feel better. You do for 10 minutes. And then you got to have a couple of glass of wine because you feel so bad from the cheesecake. (laughs) Then you go to bed, you can't sleep, you wake up. And uh, you've got to wrestle these things because you 
And too many people just get used to things. They say, well, that's the way it is. No, nothing's the way it is. It's the way you let it be. I tell you, if you're not happy in your life, all of you, if you're not happy now or in the morning, write down why you're not happy. Why are you not happy? Why are you not full of energy? Why don't you feel good? And once you look at that list, then you're going to have to do something about it. Yeah. You may need a new wife, a new husband, get rid of your kids, um, talk to your mother-in-law. I don't know what's making you yeah. happy, but yeah. you have full control to get rid of it. Yeah. If you can't do it by yourself, you get, you know, I, I, my wife and I work out twice a week on strength, agility and balance, Awesome. but we have a trainer. So we have to go, we have an appointment because I don't want to go <laughs> in the morning. We're going and I'd rather not. If I didn't have the appointment, I probably said, well, you know, I'd blow it off. You blow off your health, you blow off your annual checkup or don't get those mammograms or don't get that colonoscopy or don't get that. Let me tell you, when the doctor says, I wish you to come in earlier, we could have taken care of this. You haven't been here in four years, three years, mm. two years. This is, you got to take care of your health first. A lot more things will work out for you. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I don't care how hard it is, you can do it if you want to anticipate the consequences of not doing it. Yes, yes, yes. When you're yes, in a so. walker and you got diabetes. And yeah. And then, I mean, the, it's not a good, good, not a good future. I it's just, not. I have to say, Lee, I 1000% see why you are the winner of the grandfather of the year. I'm taking all this to heart. I feel like I'm going to go upstairs and talk to my wife and my two young sons and be like, listen, we're going to go listen to every Lee Cockrell podcast. You're going to read every book where like, we're getting this wisdom from him and we definitely need you back. Do you take care of yourself? Yes. Yep. Because if you don't, your wife's next husband's going to live in your house. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure of it. Yep. That's a good one. Yep. And he's going to he's going to drive oh, your car. Yeah. Your kids are going to call him daddy. Yeah. And you're not going to be there for the weddings and the right. birthday. Yeah. Nope. Take I care. make sure. Yeah. 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 See, there's consequences, bud. Yeah. <laughs> there is. My wife told my mother told me when I got married to Priscilla, she said, you don't need to get life insurance. As soon as you die, your wife will get remarried. <laughs> and uh, that's why I stay healthy. Yeah. I'm not dying, yeah. you know, for a while. And um, you got to be realistic with yourself. Don't you can't let your brain lead you down these paths. Right. You got to control right. this. You right. got to stop it. I don't care what you do. If you get together and work on it together, whatever you want to do, you can. And if you don't, there's consequences yeah. and there's regrets, big regrets. Yeah. I wish I had. So don't play around, man. You know what, Lee? I think we want to be respectful of your time. I think we should leave it on that, that, that tense spot. Just because I think that's a proper place to leave the cast, you know, like this is up to you listeners. Like we're going to have listeners listening in and Lee's going to say, this is up to you. This is, this is your life's choice. And I talk about this on my podcast. So you can listen to those if you want to have. Oh, we, yes. And, yes. and uh, yeah. And um, you got to th think about what you need to be doing and start doing it. And quit doing some of the stuff you're doing that you don't need to be doing. Right, right. Because nobody cares. 
actually nobody cares about you anyway. So you've got to take care of yourself. Oh, Lee, you're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want another hour. I really would you. I mean, your, you mo- your, mo- to- your, your mother may care about you. We don't know for sure. <laughs> my mom does. But, you well, know, my says, dad, yeah, if you want to talk about my dad, there's some issues there, you yeah. know. <laughs> so you, you got issues with anybody in your life. Go and say hello to them. Tell them you want to fix it. Don't have enemies. It's not good for your heart. It's not. All right, you guys behave. We'll do it again if you want to. And uh, this was awesome, Lee. Thank you so much. We have tons more. Yeah, we got tons more. I don't know. I'll check check back with you every couple years. See how many of you are still alive. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I got another six months in me at least. So it should be. You know, just remember, people die when they least expect it. I'm willing. So I'm. It's about yeah, about living well. You know, I'm like. That's a whole other podcast. Oh my gosh. Okay. Never mind. Lee, what a pleasure. Thank you so much. This was just very impactful. I'll put it that way. That's good. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So that's what teachers do. And you're a great teacher. <laughs> okay. Take care, everybody. All right, my friend. Good Thank you, Lee, you. so much. Nice yes. meeting you. We had so much fun sharing the magic with Lee Cockrell. You can follow Lee on his Instagram at Lee Cockrell Magic and continue to his weekly podcast, Creating Disney Magic. If you're looking for more lessons of leadership with Lee, visit CockrellAcademy.com to keep up to date with his latest classes. If you're a bookworm like myself, please check out Lee's books, especially Creating Magic and Career Magic. For more information about Lee Cockrell, visit LeeCockrell.com. Hey guys, so typically we do not do news um, on an interview episode. However, we got some awesome, awesome news today from Disney Park Blog that we absolutely had to share with you all. There was five big announcements that came out today. First one is starting January 9th, 2024. Park reservations will no longer be required for date-based tickets. Also, in 2024, annual pass holders and cast members will be able to enter the park without park reservations on select good-to-go days. What that's saying to me is that we are slowly starting to finally phase out those park reservations, which is all good news. The biggest announcement that I think happened today was that Disney dining plans are finally coming back. We've been waiting so long since COVID for them to come back. They've been teasing us with them being on all the menus still, all those little DDP icons. And we finally got news that starting January 9th, 2024, guest booking resort vacation packages will once again be able to have the option to purchase that with their stay. Also, we got confirmation that early park entry and late park hours for deluxe guests staying at resorts are still going to continue in 2024, which wasn't a huge announcement, but still good to note. At least we're still getting some sort of perk for staying on property. Also, they teased as the fifth announcement that they're simplifying the Disney Genie Plus experience. Um, What really stuck out to me was that they mentioned that they're working on ways to make sure you're doing less planning at the park which to me sounds like they might be going back to pre-planning before you go, which for me, I think that would be awesome. It would be awesome, awesome, awesome to actually be able to get those lightning lanes 60 days in advance instead of (laughs) waking up at 7 a.m. the day of and hoping for the best. And that is pretty much all the information they shared today. You guys can look for more, head over to Disney Park Blog for more details about what has happened today. So, so exciting. 
All right, Annie, thank you so much for sharing what's new to the magic this week. We also want to thank all of you for tuning into another episode of Sharing the Magic. As always, please hit that follow button to stay up to date on the latest episodes and tell your friends to tune in wherever they listen to awesome podcasts like this one. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Sharing the Magic Pod. Until next time, keep sharing the magic. We are not an affiliate of the Walt Disney Company, nor do we speak for the brand or the company. Any and all Disney audio clips, likeness, and characters are their property and theirs alone.